You are listening to a teaching series from Jubilee Church entitled, The New You. This series attempts to capture the essence of the new life given to us by Jesus, one not mastered by mistakes of the past, but a life of ultimate joy, peace, and freedom. If you would like more information about Jubilee Church, please visit our website at jubileestl.org. It's great to be here. I couldn't help but... um... When I read this passage and was reading about one house that stood and one house that fell, I had to look up the three little piggies and watch that all over again. Almost brought tears to my eyes, you know, it's childhood memories. So don't build your house of straw or the other one, but <laughs> bricks, sticks or straw, but bricks. Um, you know, this morning we were, a few of us were just praying before the meeting uh, that God would meet with us. And uh, I had this picture come into my mind of, I did a clam bake this last week, and uh, we had like 400 clams, and you, you, you know, you, they're all shut up. You know, you can't get to the meat in the clam before uh, you put it in the boiling water, and you know, we boiled all the clams, and they just open right up, and, and then you can, you know, feast on the clams. And um, I just had this picture come to mind while we were praying of uh, there being something like a, a hard shell of a clam uh, this morning, and God, by His presence and grace just coming and opening that up and really getting into our hearts. And uh, my prayer this morning is that that's what this morning would be like for uh, many of us that, you know, whatever has hardened around our hearts towards God, that his word would function to just open us up and to bring us back to him uh, in a full and really uh, satisfying way this morning. So I'd like to just pray for us before we start in that way. Um, And so if you would, bow your head or close your eyes or whatever you do when you pray, and I'll pray for us. Father, I thank you so much for your uh, mercy that we've been singing about and for uh, the word that you've given us, Jesus. And I thank you for this parable that we're going to look at together, and I thank you for just your presence here with us this morning. And I just, I do pray that uh, your, your presence would be to us like this boiling water that opens us up and exposes our hearts and uh, gets right to the, the innermost being where we need more than anything else your love and your affection and your grace. And I just pray, Father in heaven, that all of us this morning, many of us this morning, Lord, would encounter the love of God again through your word. I just pray that you'd open our hearts really to your word, that it would penetrate us, that we would have a respect for it, Lord, and a gratitude for it, that we'd walk away people grateful to you. Oh, Lord, and soft towards you. Thank you, Father. Amen. Amen. Well, if you're new with us, we are in the middle of a uh, The New You series. And so if you would like to be The New You, we're going to tell you how. Um, Also, it's a series where uh, really we're talking through uh, life as a Christian. And so uh, oftentimes you may, you know, say yes to God as a child or, you know, you're in a meeting like this and some of you came forward this morning and maybe even said yes to God for the first time. And, and then there's this whole life ahead of you of following Jesus. And uh, really the question comes, what does it look like to follow Jesus? And what are the benefits of a life with following Jesus? And so we're taking this series and just walking through some of the basic things of the Christian faith that really as a new person in Christ are benefits to us and things that now that we've, now that we've been joined up to Jesus Christ in a relationship with him, we have the benefits of Uh, these things in our life. And so last week was a new life, and Brian talked about a new life in Jesus, just starting fresh. And uh, the old is gone, and the old is washed away, but there's a new life ahead 
if you've trusted in him. This morning we're going to be looking at a new authority. And uh, really what we're going to be talking about is that we could make ourselves our authority in life. We could make other people our authority in life. But uh, ultimately God is the authority in life. And really a good life is a life that's built on his authority and the authority of his word. And so this little parable that Jesus tells is, uh, again, a parable about two houses. One uh, man built his house on a rock and another man built his house on sand. Uh, one man was called a wise man. One man was called a foolish man. Uh, but everyone has the uh, consequences of either building their house on the rock or on the sand. Um, my wife and I, we, we didn't build our home. We uh, bought our home. And our home uh, is 92 years old. So um, sometimes I worry that my house will fall over even though it was built good, you know. But it's 92 years old, so we didn't get to choose where it was built. Thankfully, it was built right back then. And uh, I'm always watching these home improvement shows. I'm always trying to figure out, you know, what's going to go wrong in my house and how can I keep it from happening? And um, the three big things that they always say in these home improvement shows, they say, make sure you get the plumbing right, make sure you get the electrical right, because if you don't do that, it's going to catch on fire. Make sure you get the foundation right, because if you don't do that, everything's just going to start to fall apart, and then nothing works the way that it should work. And you know, some people would say, if you've you got to get the plumbing right, that's the most important thing because if you don't, you've just got a mess on your hands the whole time. Other people would say, you've got to get the electrical right, but I would say you've got to get the foundation right. If you don't get the foundation right, it doesn't matter if you have plumbing or electrical or any of those things. I don't build houses, so uh, take it for what it's worth, you know? But I'm just saying, if the house falls over, who cares if you've got good plumbing or electrical? And, you know, you can build a, a great house on a bad foundation. You could build a multi-million dollar home on a bad foundation, but if your foundation's bad and the home falls apart, what's the home really worth in the first place, right? My, my wife and I, we were just in New York visiting some family, upstate New York, and uh, there's a lake, Lake Champlain. It's a pretty large lake, and it, it divides New York and Vermont. And uh, on this lake, there's just the most beautiful homes you could ever imagine, you know? I mean, we're we're kind of, you know, going by on the road next to the lake and looking at some of these homes and looking over the homes and, you know, looking through the home's windows. And they've got this huge open deck that looks out to the lake and then up to the Appalachian Mountains. And we're just like, my goodness, that is beautiful. Like, we would love to own a home like this. And then you get out on the lake and you look at the homes and you think, wow, they, they're built right on the beachfront. Like, they built their home on the beach. How did they do that? You know, like, Surely that when the waters rise, it's going to wash away. Or, you know, if it's sandy on that part of the beach, it's going to move and shift all the time. But they were smart enough that they dug down to where there was a rock layer. They dug down to where there was enough foundation to hold it well, that their house wasn't going to shake. The reality is you and I could build amazing homes. We could build homes uh, or lives per se that are beautiful and are majestic and people drive by and they go, oh my gosh, look at that life that this person has. You could build a financial life that is amazing. You could build a financial status that just builds and builds and builds. You could be so good with your wealth and growing your wealth that your entire life people are looking at you going, how did you do this? How did you make this happen? But the Bible says if your life is built on anything other than God's word, if you, even if you build all this wealth and it's on the sand, eventually it's going to fall apart. That the, that the means of this world and the thinking patterns of this world and the thinking patterns of not the kingdom of God eventually all fall apart. And you, at the end of the day, you really lose your house. Anyway, you could build your marriage 
on the sand. And you could build your marriage based on the best psychological advice you can get in our day and age. You could read the best books on marriage in our day and age. And yet it looks like a beautiful marriage on the outside. But when you get on the inside of it, really everything is eventually going to fall apart. Because the wisdom of this world is not like the wisdom of God. And the wisdom of God, Jesus says, that everyone who builds their house on the wisdom of God, their house will be sure. It will be firm. It won't move when the storms of life beat against it, but it will be secure. But everyone who builds their house on the wisdom of this world or on anything other than the words of Jesus Christ, it will fall apart. I'm not a parent yet, but I hope to be one day. And one of the things that frightens me is that I would build my children on anything other than the word of God. That if I were to parent based on the best parenting techniques or I were to teach my kids things just that I learned from, you know, my family or other people I've seen, but I weren't, weren't to teach them the things of the kingdom of God found in the, in, in, in the Bible, that ultimately I would, I, would build a house on, I would build a life for them that would just fall apart. It's really a frightening thing to think about. All of us are building a home. And the big question is, is your home going to stand or is your home going to fall? And you might say, you know, I'm not really building a home right now in life. I'm just kind of living life one day at a time. I'm not really like building or moving towards anything. I'm kind of just in, maybe you're young and you're enjoying it. Uh, You may say, I'm not building anything yet. Or you may be older and thinking, I've already kind of built my life and now I'm just enjoying the benefits of the life that I've built. But either way, either end of the spectrum, what Jesus says is that every single day of our lives we're building something. So yes, when you're young, you're building something that you're going to enjoy the benefits of later. And when you're older, you're continuing to build on to something that you've already, that's already been built there where it is. And as you continue to build on, you could build on the sand if you're not careful. Or maybe you're young, you've got a young family with kids, and you realize you're starting your career off, and you realize, I'm just getting started, I'm really building my life, and I hope today that this is helpful for you for building your life on the word of God. Because one thing that Jesus says in the story is not explicitly but implicitly is that every single one of us will have storms in this life. He, he doesn't say if you're a Christian and you follow Christian principles that you're going to have health and wealth and finances and all those things. He doesn't say that your kids are going to grow up and be these perfect little adorable children if you're a Christian. He doesn't say that your business is going to boom if you're a Christian. He doesn't say that your marriage is going to be 100% successful if you're a Christian. What he says is every single one of us is going to have storms in this life. The man who built his house on the rock had storms, and the rains fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and they beat against his house trying to knock his house over. And there are things in this life that are going to come at every single one of us trying to knock us over. And the question for us is, are we on the rock or are we on the sand? We already know that it's coming. We already know that hard times are coming. We already know that there's going to be difficult things in life. We already know that we are building something. And the question is, are we building on the rock or are we building on the sand? The Word of God is the only sure footing. It's the only right and good and perfectly true thing in the world. And therefore, it's the only thing worth putting our trust and our hope in into. When you put your trust in the words of God, if you're maybe a new Christian here this morning, or you maybe you just became a Christian this morning, you can take comfort in the fact that if, if the word of God, if, if what God has said in the Bible and what God says over you, if that is true, you can take comfort this morning that because he's your authority, you don't have to worry about the rest of your life. You don't have to worry about what's going to happen to me when I get older, what's going to happen to me in this situation. You can take comfort that because your house is built on the rock, or because you're building your house on the rock, that you're going to be okay. 
We can take comfort this morning if our house is built on the rock that we're not going to ultimately fall over, but that we will stand through the storms. The question comes, will God be the authority in our lives? And will His Word be the authority in our lives, or will it be something else? And for that, I want to bring a couple people up who uh, have had some storms in their life, and they found that the authority of God was enough to carry them through those storms in their life. So, Denise, will you come on up? Can I get that mic later? Denise. Hi, dear. Denise, will you tell us a little of your story and just how the Word of God was helpful to you in that? Yeah. Um, So about two and a half years ago, I was engaged, and my fiancé passed away unexpectedly in the middle of the night. And through that devastating experience, I just realized really how far I was from God and how much I had built my life around this relationship and, and not on God at all. And in his grace and kindness, he just really pursued me. He lavished me in his love and just sealed my identity in him and, and just showed me how faithful he was that I can really stand on the promises of God that he will not leave me and he's always with me. Mm. Now, if I remember right, your mom, your parents taught you the Bible, taught you about Jesus? Yeah. Yeah, I had grown up in the church and, you know, for different periods in my life I had been walking with God, but just really fell away from him and wasn't... Um, mm wasn't standing on him. I was constantly distracted and seeking other things. How did that help you when you went through this time, having that foundation? Um, Having that foundation, I knew instantly I had a choice to either just kind of curl up and die to go to like drugs or alcohol or something like that for comfort, or I could look to God. And I knew that he was the only thing that was going to pull me out of that pit. Yeah, thanks. I asked her this morning, so can we give her a big round of applause? She watches kids, too, so she, you can take assurance. You've got good people watching your kids here. <laughs> Michael Shaw, will you come on up? Michael's doing a few things today, so we're seeing him, seeing him a lot. Michael's got a little story to tell as well, just how. You know, uh, this is actually the anniversary. I was just thinking about a 10 year, 10th year anniversary of a little wind and rain that went through a city called New Orleans. Uh, called Katrina, and uh, uh, about so about ten years ago, uh, I was a senior pastor of a church that my family grew from uh, our kitchen, and uh, it was an incredible church. You know, reaching people all around uh, the area. Uh, Time Magazine had just did an article on me on how I was impacting the whole region, and. Uh, and then here comes a little wind and rain. And uh, uh, about uh, 20 feet of water sat in our sanctuary for two weeks. Um, my family, we had evacuated to New Orleans. I mean, from New Orleans to uh, Houston, Texas. And I remember sitting in, a, in there about 1 in the morning uh, when the storm was actually hitting. And it was just me and the Lord, my wife and kids who were real little. And you see my son now, he's almost as tall as me. Uh, uh, they were uh, sleeping, and we were by my aunt. And, and I remember looking at, at everything in the news reports, and uh, they were just saying how devastating everything was. And I remember realizing at that moment that everything I knew was changing, and it was changing uh, totally. And, 
you know, it's, uh, it, it's amazing. I, I spoke to the Lord and I asked, I said, what, what is this? And, uh, and, and he just assured me in my heart that uh, he was with me. And that month before, I had been teaching on faith and I, I told all of the members of the church and we, we had a great church. We had a thousand seat sanctuary and three services on Sunday morning and all the bells and whistles. And I taught everybody, I had everybody to find that one scripture that they could hold on to in a time of adversity, not knowing what was about to happen. And the one scripture that I held on to was Romans 8 and 28 that says, for all things work together for the good for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. And I'll never forget just holding on to that scripture and realizing that regardless of what was taking place, everything would work out for the good. So, uh, you know, Lord told me don't look back and he told my family to move here to St. Louis. And I'm like, St. Louis? <laughs> and, you know, I'm a golfer, you know, so, you know, that first winter, I'm like, no, this is, cannot be the place. <laughs> I play golf year-round in New Orleans, you know, and, and so, but here I was, and, and, and we've been here faithfully, you know, we've not been a stagnant, and I, I work for the Lord, I, 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 you know, I've taught at Bible college, I've still traveled around the world preaching and all and then the Lord told us to come here in December and that this was a place that he wanted us to plant and sow our lives. And at, at, at our celebration out there in the Ozarks, I was really touched because the Lord, I thought that I was planting and throwing, you know, just all the vision, everything God has spoken to my heart. I thought that, okay, I'm burying this, you know, I'm burying it. And the Lord spoke to me at the celebration, said, no, you're not burying it, you're planting it. And there's a difference. And so I, I want you to understand that there's a difference. So here I stand, 10 years on the anniversary of uh, Hurricane Katrina, and I stand here with the mic in my hand sharing a great testimony, and hopefully it encourages you because I'm so encouraged right now because on the day, basically almost to the day that I came to St. Louis, uh, which was about 10, 12 days after the storm, uh, I'm going to be part of the Kirkwood launch. So with what was torn away, I'm involved in something that's being birthed. Yeah. So glory to God. Praise God. <laughs> you know, James Michael says, if you hear and obey the word of God, you'll be blessed. You're in Cardinal Nation, brother. You're blessed. <laughs> All right. I had to. I had to. I had to. So the question comes, you know, for us, what are we building our lives on? And I, I'm just going to make an assumption this morning that each and every one of us are here this morning because we want to build our lives on the Word of God and that we want to build our lives on the authority that God provides for us because we realize that there is no greater authority than the authority of God and there's no safer place to be than in his presence. And so I want to take the, the rest of the time this morning to just get really practical and look at how do we build our lives on the Word of God and practically what does that look like. So how do I build my life on the Word of God? Jesus says two things here in this parable. He says that you hear the Word of God and you act on the Word of God. The wise man who built his house on the rock, he heard the Word and he built his house on that Word. 
And so hearing the words of Jesus is, when Jesus is talking about this, he's not talking about hearing like you and I tend to hear. He's not talking about like, yeah, I'm listening to you, Jesus. I just got to shoot off this text message and pop off that email. And I'm kind of watching something on TV, Jesus, but I hear what you're saying. Uh, you know, all the things that are flooded into our life every day, the, 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 the hundreds of thousands of messages that we get in a lifetime that we're meant to listen to, and all the advertisements that tell us this is how your life should be. It's not paying attention to the words of Jesus or hearing them like we hear the rest of those, but it's hearing the words of Jesus like you would hear someone's words on their deathbed. It's, it's like hearing the words of Jesus like it's the last time you were ever going to hear them. It's, it's hearing them with such open ears and such attentive eyes that we literally can look attentively at it and then build our lives upon it. It's as Hebrews 4.12 says, that when we hear the words of God and when they come to us, that the word of God is living and active, that it's sharper than any two-edged sword and it's piercing through the vision of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So the Word of God is living and active. The Word of God isn't passive. When you open the book of your Bible and you, you read the words on the page, you're not just reading documented history, although it is documented history. You're reading something that's living and active. You're reading, some, reading something that is actually able to penetrate into our hearts and get into the innermost being. You're reading something. You're exposing yourself to something. Even here this morning as we're gathered together and we're singing songs about Jesus and we're hearing truths about Jesus, we're exposing our hearts to something that is able to get deep within us and get past that exterior layer that maybe no human being can get past. Get past that exterior layer that we're always kind of projecting and putting off or even the exterior layer that, that we don't know how to get beneath in our own selves. It says that the Word of God is able to get to our innermost being and pierce our souls into past the joints and marrow and it discerns the thoughts and intentions of the heart it discerns the thoughts and intentions of my heart it reads me like a book that when i read the word of god and i look at it it discerns what's going on inside of me when i think i'm justified in an action that i did i read the word of god and it searches my heart and says really was that the right reason for doing that when i look at the word of god i let the word judge me instead of me judging it. If we were to look at the Word of God rightly and hear it as Jesus is calling us to hear it and let it be our authority, we would let it expose us instead of it trying to expose us trying to expose it. We would let it search us out in such a way that it was able to discern the thoughts and intentions of our heart. But even when we're not in that place, even when we're not hearing and listening attentively, the Word of God is still able to do these things because it's living and active and it is powerful beyond even what we could imagine. And we're not only meant to be hearing the words, but also acting on them. James 1, 22 through 25, James talks about not just hearing the words, but doing what the word says. He says, but be doers of the word and not be hearers only, deceiving yourselves. James, what do you mean deceiving myself? Well, if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror for he looks at himself and goes away, and at once he forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres or obeys, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. James says that the man who looks to the word of God and walks away unchanged is a fool. says that he's deluded and deceived. 
It says that the man who looks like a natural man looks at his face in a mirror and doesn't change anything about it. He's a foolish man, and he's deceived in his life. I haven't had hair most of my life. I tend to do the buzz cut thing, and last couple of years I've had hair, and I find myself, I have to constantly stop and check, like, okay, is it going all right today? Or am I, you know, am I looking like the, you know, 90s, you know, because it gets like this throughout my day. And I'm walking around like this, and I, so I got to look in a mirror, because that's frightening, and I don't want to be unchanged. I need to be changed quickly. I can't believe I just did that, but I did for you, because I care about your souls. Please do something with this today if I did that. But if I look at myself in a mirror and I look like that and I don't change, you'd think, that guy's deluded. He forgot what he looked like. He had to have, because otherwise he'd do something. In the same way, if we look at the Word of God, or you hear a message like this preached and you don't respond to it, and you don't respond to the words of Jesus Christ and the, and the words found in Scripture, and maybe even a word God would speak to you while you're praying. If you hear it and you don't respond to it, it's as foolish as me walking around like that unchanged. But he says the one who looks at the perfect law, the law of liberty and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Again, what James is saying is the the word has an ability to tell us what we look like. We don't have the ability to tell the Bible what it looks like. The Bible looks at us or the words that God has spoken and the words that God is speaking functions like a mirror to us and it tells us what we look like. And when we see what we look like, Our response is to act upon that and change so that we look more and more like what the Word is calling us to look like. The mirror is telling us and pointing us always towards Jesus, always towards life with Him. And so our response is always a response towards Him. It's not a response of moral activity. It's not a response of improving my behavior. It's not a response of becoming more religious. It's a response of looking to Jesus and trusting in Jesus and then becoming more like Him through faith and through the receiving of His love into our hearts. And I'm sure some here today maybe even look at the Bible and you question, how can I be sure that this book is actually the authoritative Word of God, that that the words in this book are true and accurate and can be trusted. And I wish that we had time to go into all the reasons why we can trust the Bible. But just to say, if you're asking that question this morning or maybe doubting in your own mind, is the Bible really a book that I can trust? Let me just say that there's no book on earth that you could trust more. And that's not just based on a faith that I have in God, although my faith in God does allow me to say that, but that is also based on just pure evidence of however many historical documents we have and, and, and numerous things, including the fact that men and women across the centuries have read the words of this book and their lives have been completely transformed, that murderers have become those who serve the poor, that rapists have become those who care for and love and, 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 and protect and provide versus destroying and killing. I mean, the, the transformation that has appeared in Hundreds of thousands, millions of human beings' lives through the words in this book is absolutely remarkable. And then you have all of the evidence on top of that to say that this is a book that beyond Plato's documents or any other historical document, this book can be trusted. I wish we had more time to go into it because it really is fascinating. But we don't, and 
Um, I wish that we did. If you have some of those questions, I'd love to talk with you afterwards or maybe even put on your communication card. I need to talk to someone about this because I have questions because we would love to talk that through with you. So maybe you're in that place, but if you come to the Bible and you hear it, and you hear the words that God's saying to you, maybe even this morning as we called some forward, maybe you knew you should have raised your hand, or maybe you knew I need the mercies of God again, but for whatever reason you held back. I just want to encourage you to begin cultivating in our hearts, always, always cultivating in our hearts, always saying yes to Jesus, because hearing alone does not change me. It only serves to deceive me. But obeying the words of Jesus. Actually being a biblical scholar and studying the scriptures all my life, but not letting them pierce into my heart and convict me and change my life would actually make me more deceived than if I never read them at all. But it's in reading and hearing and listening to God and then responding in faith that we're changed and we become wise men who build our house on the rock. And James says that those who hear the word and don't forget, but are doers who act will be blessed in their doing. What he's saying is it'll bless you, it'll bless your spouse, it'll bless your children, it'll bless your workplace, it'll, be, it'll bless your finances, it'll bless your ability to tell others. There'll be innumerable blessings that come when we hear the word of God and we act on the word of God. And that's not me saying that this is some prosperity, health and wealth gospel, because we've already talked about really that's not the case here, because we're all going to have storms and we're all going to have some small houses, some big houses all over the place. There's a different lot that God has for each and every one of us, but... The blessing is in the presence of God. The blessing is in knowing God and walking in His ways. And if we walk in His ways, we will be blessed. So practically, how do I begin hearing and acting on the Word of God? How do I begin hearing and acting on the words of Jesus? There's three big things that I want to share that have helped me and that I think are very biblical, practical things to do in life. Number one, plan to hear And obey the words of Jesus. You've heard the phrase, if you don't plan at all, then you plan to fail. You've heard that, I'm sure. If you're in business at all, you've probably heard that. So we need to plan to hear and obey the words of God. A few ways that you could plan is you could write out thoughts or convictions that you have. When when God's speaking to you, maybe during your day, you could journal it out and and write down, okay, I'm going to go back to that later and respond to what God's saying to me. You could talk about the words that God's sharing with you and and the words of Scripture with other people. You could um, ask a lot of questions when you read the Bible. So I know for me, when I read the Bible, I'm oftentimes confused. I oftentimes read it. I'm like, what does that, what are you talking about? Like, how does, how does a leper and temples and all these things, how does that fit into like American life today? So I ask a lot of questions. I ask, you know, in prayer, I ask God, God, what does this mean? What are you trying to say to me? Or I ask, Who's Jesus talking to here? What's the context? Or what's his attitude towards the person? Not just what does he say to him, but what's his attitude towards the person? Does he seem to be angry? Or does he seem to be comforting? Or does he seem to be compassionate? What's he like here in the moment? And how would that affect how I'm like with someone there in the moment? You could um, get a Bible reading plan. That's a great way to plan to hear the Word of God. That you would have a plan to work through the Bible and to let the Bible speak to you so that it would affect your life. I uh, didn't have a Bible reading plan when I was a new Christian because I kind of thought, uh, I'll just open it, whatever page it turns to, that's the word of the Lord to me today. And uh, that was helpful. And, and it was amazing to see God speak some things to me, uh, literally in that way, where I just opened it and that was a word I really needed to hear. Amazing to see the 
providence of God in that. But also it's helpful to have a plan because otherwise we'll kind of just hop to our favorite dessert sections and not really hear the full truth of who he is. And so a Bible reading plan can be very helpful. I've, I'm working through one right now. It's uh, from Robert Murray McShane. If you wanted to use it, it's a great one. Robert Murray McShane. He's got a one-year plan that takes you through the whole Bible. And, uh, you know, you get a little Old Testament, a little New Testament in there, and some Psalms and Proverbs, and very encouraging. Uh, Bible reading plan can be very, very helpful. A method to journal while you're reading the Bible can be very helpful. Uh, there's a method called SOAP, S-O-A-P. Um, you know, it might be fun to say, okay, I'm going to soap my body every morning, and I'm going to soap my Bible every morning, you know? So uh, make sure you stay clean. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Personal hygiene. Uh, really, SOAP, S-O-A-P, Scripture, Observation, Application, Prayer. That's very helpful for me when I'm reading my Bible. So I'll read those you know, verses that Mr. McShane told me to read, and, uh, and then I'll observe one of them. And so I'll pick out, this is just where I'm open to, uh, actually funny, Jeremiah 10, hear the word that the Lord speaks to you, O house of Israel. So if I was doing soap on this, I would write down that verse, and then I would think about the word hear. I think, what does hear mean? What's God trying to say? What does it mean to hear, really hear? What is, what's the context of what Jeremiah is writing about? That's observations. And then applications would be, how does this apply to my life? How do I change based on what I've just read? And then prayer is just a realization that really I can't change myself. I need God to change and work in me. And so whatever we've learned, I take it, we take it to God and let Him convict uh, so maybe helpful to have some resources. Uh, like I said, when I was a new Christian, I was a mess reading my Bible. Uh, I was constantly like, this is so confusing. Who can understand this? Once you read it a little bit, it's not so confusing. It's really a f- fun, delightful, challenging, convicting, correcting uh, story to read. But it, um, it is helpful to have some resources. And so the uh, first one may be a Bible. Like Michael said, if you don't have a Bible, take one of those with you. We'd love to just give you that as a gift. So you can begin reading the scriptures. Uh, another resource that would be really helpful is a study Bible. A uh, study Bible, essentially the, the top half is, uh, you know, the scripture itself. And the bottom half is somebody saying, hey, this is what they're talking about. And make it real easy for you that way. I like the ESV study Bible. I think they've done a great job with that. And uh, it's helped me a lot. I've heard Brian and other guys uh, say the same. You may want to get into a leadership development or theological program like Trilogy that we offer where you can really study what the scriptures have to say and grow as one who's serving others and helping others to know the scriptures. If you want to know more about that, you can put that on your communication card. So first and foremost, we need to plan to hear and obey the Bible. Secondly, we need to befriend other people who in their life make a practice of hearing and obeying the Bible. So first is plan. Second, befriend other people who do this in their own lives. If you're trying to approach uh, a relationship with God on your own, uh, I just want to say I don't think it's really possible. I think any relationship with God on your own is really a false relationship with God because He's called us to be a people together. He's a father who's looking for a family. That's the whole story of the Bible. And so being a part of God's family means that we're integrated into relationships with other people, and that's really the only way that we can follow him. Even Jesus, when he called his disciples to himself, he also called them to one another. And so one of the great ways that you could 
uh, learn to hear and obey the Bible is to have friends who hear and obey the Bible. If your friends don't hear and obey the Bible, if your closest group of friends are those who don't really have a desire to walk with God in their lives, then you probably won't have a strong, lasting desire to walk with God in your life either. Ephesians 4.15 tells us that the church, the people of God coming together, that's where the, the manifold or the, the, the multifaceted, like a diamond, that's where the, the wisdom of God is put on display more than anyone else, anywhere else, is here. When you and I and a couple Christians get together, that's where the that's where the wisdom of God is put on display more than at any other time. Is when we come together. Because there's things you understand that I don't understand, and you can help me. And there's things that she understands that he doesn't understand, and you can help him, and so on and so forth. And so, if you're thinking to yourself, you know, I don't have Christian friends, and I don't know where to start to get Christian friends, well, a great place would be a community group. And actually, I saw this earlier on the communication card. There's a, back, there's a part on the back that says, I would like to sign up for a community group. And if you're not in a community group here and you want to make some Christian friends where you can uh, study the Bible and and follow Jesus together with genuine friends, people who really would love you and and walk out life with you, that'd be a great place to start as a community group. Or maybe you just chuck at the bottom, send me some more information. I'm not sure I want to do it yet, but give me some more information about it. That might be a good next step for you. Once you have a few people you, you can trust and that you feel these are good Christian friends of mine. One way you could practice hearing and obeying what the Bible says is, is practice opening your life up to them. Because you could go and attend a community group and, and kind of sit in a circle and not really be affected by the words of Jesus. Or you could go and you could make a few friends and you could open your life up to them and you could say, you know what, I really want to grow. And I know that there's areas in my life that I can't see that you can see. And so if you see something in my life, will you just tell me? what you see. Will you just confront me in my life where maybe I'm not really walking in the truth and talk to me about that? And then maybe they will or maybe they won't for a couple weeks or a month or whatever. If they're honest friends, they will eventually because there's always something. I think all my genuine friendships are people who will have those honest conversations with me. And I would say the times in my life where I haven't had anyone come to me to have those conversations, looking back, I can realize I was in a season of loneliness because no one cared about me enough to do that. And the seasons in my life where I haven't been willing to do that for other people, it's because I haven't been a real friend to them. But real friends bring up the junk. And so we need to plan. We need to befriend others. Finally, we need to cultivate a hearing and obeying heart. What this means is, like Jesus says, it's the man who hears and then acts on it. Or like James says, it's the man who hears. You notice it's immediately when the man walked away that he forgot what he looked like. Well, he immediately forgot because he didn't immediately act on the word. The gospel of Mark, Mark documented the life and ministry of Jesus. Mark's always saying immediately. Like it's almost annoying when you read it for the first time. You're just like, dude, could you quit saying immediately? He's just one of those extreme personalities is kind of what you feel when you're reading it, like the guy who's always like, the coolest thing happened to me. Mark's kind of like that. He's like, immediately, Jesus. And you're like, come on, Mark. Like, that took two weeks, you know? Like, it wasn't immediately. But he's always saying immediately. And one of the things that he's always saying immediately happened is when Jesus would call people, immediately they followed. Or immediately they repented. Or immediately they were healed. Or immediately. We need to learn to immediately respond to the Word of God. We're reading, maybe you're reading your Bible for the first time this upcoming week, 
and something pierces you. Don't wait. Don't put it off. No, no, immediately go to Jesus and say, Jesus, deal with me on this. Maybe this morning God's convicting you or he's stirring something up. Or maybe you're just even realizing, I don't have much affection or desire for God anymore. Don't walk out of this room without changing that. Come get prayer. Come let someone stand with you and immediately respond to the word of God, which says if if you seek him, you'll find him. Immediately respond today. Another way to cultivate a heart of obeying and hearing, hearing and obeying, is when you read your Bible, season that time with prayer. And so read a little, pray a little. Read a little, pray a little. It's not meant to be this kind of like, I memorized 15 scriptures today. No, it's meant to be, I'm interacting with the living God. And memorizing scripture is a great way to do that. But it's meant to bring us to the point of a relationship with Him. Make a constant habit of cultivating a soft heart towards God and His Word. That's what I want to do. I want to make a plan to hear the Word of God. I want to have friends around me who are hearing and obeying the Word of God. I want to be a friend who's hearing and obeying the Word of God as well. And I want to cultivate a heart of hearing and obeying the Word of God. I want to end on this. John 10, Jesus talks about him being a shepherd. And he says that he's the good shepherd who came to give life and give it abundantly. Whereas the, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. But he's the good shepherd. And in John 10, 4, Jesus says this about hearing his word. He says, when he brought out all his own, when Jesus gathered to himself all his people, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. I want to end on this note, that the reason we, the reason the Bible is our authority, or the words of scripture are our authority, the reason that we want to listen and obey when God speaks to us, the reason that we want to build our house on the rock and not on the sand is because we want to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. This isn't about dead religion. This isn't about moral improvement. This is about a relationship with the living God. And he said, if you follow me, you'll hear my voice. My sheep always hear my voice. If you're not hearing the voice of God this morning, there's an invitation to you from Jesus. Come and hear his voice so that you can follow 